Welcome to the Hey Boomer podcast, the show where individuals over 55 are living and thriving and contributing to our communities and to each other. My guest today is Helen Dennis. Helen is a well-respected expert in aging and the new retirement. And we talk about something called Project Renewment, which is a combination of retirement and renewal. It's a very peaceful and kind and informative and inspirational conversation. I'm sure that you will enjoy it. My name is Wendy Green, and I am your host for Hey Boomer. Hello, Hey Boomer listeners. Hope everybody is having a lovely day. Uh, Here in South Carolina, it is a little cool, but sunny, and it is afternoon, whereas our guest out in California is still waking into the morning hours. So uh, as many of you know, Hey Boomer was started when I was involuntarily retired from my last job due to the COVID-19 shutdowns. And I knew I wasn't ready to be retired. And so with a little courage and a little resilience, I did my first Hey Boomer Facebook Live on April 13th, a year ago. But when you think about what we now call retirement, although we're trying to figure out a better word for it, there are a lot of issues to think about. And our, what our retirement will look like will very likely be very different than what our parents' retirement looked like. Because chances are we're going to live another 20, 30 years beyond what our parents lived in retirement. So learning how to live productive, meaningful lives into our elder years is all about redefining what we are now calling retirement. But isn't that what the boomer generation has always done? We've always kind of redefined our lives and our generation. In our conversation today with Helen Dennis, we're going to talk about project renewment groups, renewment roundtables, and these are not your typical support groups. These groups are for career career women who are looking to have deep, meaningful conversations on a wide variety of topics. Topics like aging, living alone, caring for our our parents, caring for adult children sometimes who come back home, um, earning a living, finding purpose in life. So many topics to be discussed in a way that we as women discuss them with, you know, lots of vulnerability and sharing and openness. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm really looking forward to our time with Helen and I will bring her on in just a moment. A couple of things first. I want to thank 
Thelma Reese for her $75 sponsorship on Buy Me a Cup of Coffee. So for $75, uh, when you do that, you get to have a call out as a sponsor. And if you recall, Thelma was a guest on our show back in January, and she's the one who wrote the book, How Seniors Are Saving the World. I hope you all have had a chance to pick up a copy of that book. It's inspiring. It will give you so many ideas about things that you can do and, and other ways to get involved to really make a difference in the world, which is really what we are all about. She also has a website called elderchicks.com. It's a fun place to have conversations, share your wisdom, learn from others. You can subscribe by going to elderchicks.com and you will uh, get on her email list and you can see who's talking and respond or create your own topics. So thank you, Thelma, for your generous sponsorship of what we're doing here on Hey Boomer. The Hey Boomer Spring event is open and registrations have started coming in. We are going forest bathing, which is a mindfulness walk in the woods. And the date for that is May the 4th. We're going from 1230 to 3.30. At the, at the Foothills Equestrian Nature Center in Tryon, North Carolina. So I hope you will all sign up for that. We are going to be led by Angie Stiegel, who was also one of our guests, and you will get a copy of Angie's book. You're going to get some Hey Boomer swag. You're going to get gifts from some of the people and organizations who will be sponsoring this event. So go to the Facebook page, Sign up for that. There's only 15 spots available. And like I said, registrations have started coming in. So don't wait too long. If you would like to get on the email list to get your Monday morning reminder and links to the show, just either email me at wendy at heyboomer.biz or you can go to the website at heyboomer.biz and subscribe and you will get onto the email list and comment, comment, comment. This conversation that I'm having with Helen today is just that, it's a conversation. And the more you participate, the more you are involved in the conversation. So we'll look for your questions, we'll look for you to say hi, we'll look for your comments. Um, and I, with that, am going to bring Helen on. Hi, Helen. Well, hello there. Thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. <laughs> I am going to do a brief introduction, all right? Please. <laughs> so Helen Dennis is a nationally recognized leader on issues of aging and the new retirement with academic, corporate, and nonprofit experience. She has received awards for her university teaching at the University of Southern California's Davis School of Gerontology, and for her contributions to the field of aging, the community, and literary arts. Helen is the editor of two books, the author of over 100 articles, a frequent speaker, and weekly syndicated columnist on successful aging for the Southern California News Group, reaching 1.6 million readers. 
<laughs> and she has published almost a thousand columns. I don't know how you keep that going. Um, Helen is co-author of the Los Angeles Times bestseller, Project Renewment, the first retirement model for career women, and has been recognized by PBS Next Avenue as one of the nation's 50 influencers in aging. Wow. <laughs> is there anything I left out? I think I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know, me too. I struggled writing my blog and you write columns every week. I'm like, oh my goodness. So how did you get started and interested in the field of gerontology? Uh, I, I would say I backed into the field. Um, I was in graduate school and looking for a topic for my thesis. So I wandered into the library and I found a book on cognition and aging by Walter Shy. And I thought, and this is the mid seventies, Okay. And so, yeah, you were young then. Okay, child. You're, you're young now. Um, I was intrigued. I said, who ever thought about cognition and aging? At the same time, my father-in-law was terminally ill with cancer. Mm. He was in a skilled nursing facility. And so I spent every day for half a year visiting with him. Although my track is not healthcare, but aging resonated with me. So it came time to select a thesis topic and I went to my uh, advisor, and at that time, this is hard to believe, Wendy, there was no one at the university who said that they were, quote, an expert in aging. So they really couldn't tell me if my thesis was any, if the topic was any good. Mm -hmm. So I go to the University of Southern California. They have this place called the Gerontology Center. Meet with someone there, which I did. I thought it was a gift from God. This professor spent an hour with me. Uh -huh. Back, he said, you know, this is really, it's a good topic. Fast forward, what I did my topic on has nothing to do with my work today, but was something called remotivation therapy. Oh. At that time, uh, the Gerontology Center conducted something called the Summer Institute. This is when aging was very new. People from around the country and the world came for two weeks to study with faculty and take what they learned back to their university or agency. Mm -hmm. so there was a woman who was teaching a course on working with older adults. That's not a big deal today. But in the mid-70s, that was a big deal. And she said, would you teach a one-day course on remotivation therapy? I said, well, that sounds interesting, sure. <laughs> so I did that. And um, then there were two grants that came up that at the, at the center that no one had time for, two mental health grants. And they said, you know, would you want to work a couple days a week? I said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And so I entered the gerontology center where I made my career, and it was a formative time in aging. Um, it wasn't a hot topic. Yeah. Um, and it was a very exciting time because everything was new. Everybody was learning from one another. Degree programs were emerging. So that's when I say I backed into it. Um, it I think it's called opportunity at the right moment. Yeah. Being curious enough to take a few risks and say, what do I have to lose? And it was really an opportunity of a lifetime for me in terms of a career and a, a meaningful one. Yeah, it sounds like it. And it's, you know, that's a, something that you've been able to grow with because as we, the boomers, have gotten older, aging has become a very important topic to look at. It's so true. And what, what's so fascinating 
is the resistance to aging. Mm -hmm. And all you had to do was count the people. This is not rocket ship science. Count people who, who are aging in that boomer in that boomer cohort. They're going to get older. That's right. So it's just that de demography is not destiny, but demography can give you some clues as to what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, that was my uh, backing into the field of aging. Interesting. And so you taught for a while. So I directed projects. I, interesting. I was not initially hired to teach. Mm -hmm. I was directing projects, private investigator for a number of interesting projects. Um, but at that time, a Dr. David Peterson headed up the school and he invited, let me backtrack. Um, the person who was heading up the field of retirement and retirement planning was leaving. And my boss, 10 years my senior, said, Helen, you know, I think there's a nice opportunity for you. Do you want to be the person on retirement? And I remember saying, I said, Ira, you know, nice offer. I know nothing about it. <laughs> so let me, let me research it. I'll go to seminars. I'll read. So I read and I attend and I go back to him. I said, you know, Ira, I really appreciate that offer. But I have to tell you, that field of retirement is the most boring field. <laughs> I, it, it, people say the same thing over and over again. They only talk to each other. And this was the switch, Wendy. I remember him standing in front of his, in his library saying, well, Helen, maybe it's your opportunity to mm. perform. I thought, well, that's novel. That was a switch. Yeah. And I have, being raised in the 50s, the MO was, if you didn't like something, you either were quiet or you walked away. Mm -hmm. You never saw yourself as a change agent. Okay. And there you were. That was a switch. You don't do anything alone. But the switch was, well, maybe that's an interesting idea, Ira. I think I'll go into that. So, And that led to being invited to teach with the director of the school, of course, on retirement, retirement planning, masterful teacher. And then he said, Helen, why don't you teach the course? And then I developed a course on aging and business and aging and marketing. Um, so it was, that's all I can say, it was a time of opportunity um, to explore new things in an environment that welcomed innovation, a different way of thinking, and uh, some really nice, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for those opportunities. Yeah. That's a long, shaggy story. That's a great story, though, to be in the right place at the right time, and then to have the courage to say... Yeah, maybe I can be the change agent, a change agent. And I, I would say that wasn't, that's only in retrospect. Mm. And I said, well, yeah, it sounds interesting. You know, just curious. Right, right. So let's fast forward sure. now to when you and, um, who, who is your, uh, Bernice, when you and Bernice <laughs> sat down one evening and said, okay, we're getting close to thinking about retirement. What are people talking about? What are people doing? So here's the backstory. I get a phone call from Bernice, who is, in addition to being a marriage and family counselor, uh, was executive director of two thriving nonprofits. She calls me on her second retirement <laughs> and says, is there any research, any programs for career women who really have felt passionate about their work? In moving to that next chapter, because she said, Helen, now she's a very well put together lady. She says, I'm having a hard time. Mm -hmm. 
let's have lunch. We have a four hour lunch and we have a lot to talk about. So Bernice says, well, why don't you invite some like-minded women? I'll do the same. And we'll see if there's something here to talk. It's a four hour dinner. <laughs> so we decide, let's meet monthly. And let's talk about issues that are important to us right now, such as making the retirement decision. What does productivity mean? What if he retires first? What do you mean by passion? So we met for five years. And in those five years, we took notes. We, we transcribed our conversations, which led to a book. But we have been meeting for 21 years. This original group of women. Yes. Now, some dropped out. Somebody died. A couple went back in. But we continue to meet. Wow. So if that's a little bit on the background. And again, Wendy, this is timing. It's that there was nothing there. The retirement models were male, mm -hmm. financial. Well, women's work trajectory is very different. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with 20,000 employees on the non-financial aspects of retirement. And one of my non-scientific observations <laughs> is that men and women go about this differently. And this is a sexist comment. Men generally don't talk about the same issues as quickly as women. Women just get to the facts faster and the issues faster. Men will go a little bit more in politics, a little more in economics, global warfare. Women just get to it faster. Their style of conversation is different. Right. We all know that. The style yeah. of conversation is different. Sexist, yeah. We are different. We are not, different. not right or wrong, just different. Yeah. And so, so you have this first group and transcribe all of these notes and come up with this book. And then what happens? So I'll, let me add one other sidebar. We had no intention of growing. Okay. Always knew there was a book there because no one was talking about this. So, and this was on the West side of what we met on the West side of Los Angeles. So a few other women found out about our group and said, can we join the group? You know, it's hard to join in the middle. We said, you know, we'll help you start a group. And then there was a second group and a third group. So now <laughs> not all of them are meeting, but there have been about 35 to 40 renewment groups across the country that have grown virally. Word of mouth, you know, website, but they've grown. Um, so in the book, the last section is how do you launch a group? Right. Bernice and I said, we don't want to make a career of running around the country, starting groups. Let's empower those. This is how you do it. Um, so it has grown. Um, at the, and relating to the book, we got some, um, some press from uh, the LA Times and uh, Time Magazine Online. Okay. Uh, the CEO of Scribner, which is a sub of Simon & Schuster, read this article, called the journalist, found us and said, we'd like you to write a book. <laughs> okay, we can do that. <laughs> but the good part was we had five years of conversational content, which made it relevant down to earth. It was, so the research is important, the experience, but this is what happened, the five years. So we could extrapolate a lot of what the women were thinking and saying and put that into the book. And that 
ended up into 38 essays. And each one of those topics is a topic that we talked about. Yeah. And I loved the way you did that because every, almost, almost every topic, I can't say every topic, but almost every topic that I read, I was like, oh yeah, I, I'm thinking that I'm feeling that, you know, there's, it was so relevant. And I think, I think that's the point because it was based on what was our concern? What was our opportunity? Um, and I think that's, and you know, the book is not brand new. No, this was, when did you, 1999 or something? The original came out in 08. 08. Paperback came out in 13. But when I start to reread it, I say, it's really relevant. The only clue that it's really age-related is that there's no, there's one drawing um, of a regular telephone. On a <laughs> telephone. I said, that's a giveaway. <laughs> Here's some data. But the issues... They're life issues. They are life issues. So, so when I, so I was going to ask you about a couple of the topics, Perfect. right? So there's one that's called "What is productivity anyway?" And then there's another one about "Is busy better?" So you know, I thought I looked at my life and I said, "Well, we're always busy. I mean, we can easily fill up time, and we've generally been very productive." So. You know, how do the women, do they give you pros and cons? Do you solve these problems, answer these questions in the groups? How does this work? I mean, one of the good things about the conversations is that's what we talk about. So let's go to productivity. I, I think this is uh, an awareness because if you're working, you whether you're, employee, whether you're an employee or you're working for yourself, um, there is an expectation. Well, let's say as an employee, there are expectations for your work. There's mm -hmm. objectives you have to qualify for, and then you get rewarded, you get maybe pay, you get a window, a window by the ocean maybe, um, you know, a choice office, you're included in high level. So you get rewarded, okay? So that's external. Mm -hmm. Your productivity is judged externally. So, in our renewment phase of life, which is a cross between retirement and renewal, it's more internal. We become the judge of our own productivity. And that could be taking care of yourself, taking care of a loved one. It could be volunteering. It could be writing. But it becomes a self-definition. And that's a fight because society judges productivity externally. What have you done? What have you produced? What change? Have... So yeah. it is a reframing of productivity. Um, what's fighting against us is a little bit of the Puritan ethic. Uh, to, um, to waste time is sinful. <laughs> you, have busy, you have to have busy hands. Um, productivity is a very high value. Mm -hmm. um, are you contributing to the GDP? So it's really a mind shift. And that's not to say productivity in the external way is not important, but it becomes more self-defined. It's a shift. So I don't know if that addresses uh, the change. Yeah, I think, um, and that is an interesting perspective to 
realize that you have to recognize it internally. And I think it's the same with being busy. Is busy better? You know, that also is, as you said, that Puritan ethic, the, you know, busy hands, busy mind or whatever that saying was, right? Idle hands, idle mind. Yeah. Um, And I certainly find myself getting caught up in busyness and, some people say that the art of doing nothing. Mm. <laughs> what a horrible thought. The art of doing, I mean, pandemic has created the art of doing nothing. Right? Um, so again, we're programmed to look at our calendar. We have all these appointments and somehow we translate that to being important. Right? That's important. Do. Whole calendar. So again, I would say it's a mind. It's busy. At doing what? You know, they say bees are busy. Bees are busy. Yeah. Are we busy at meaningful activities? And I think all of this requires a stepping back to say, you know, so what am I busy about? Are they really important to me? And I think life stage comes into this, which is, all right, if I'm lucky, I'm 65. If I'm lucky, if you look at the stats, on average, you've got 20 years ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So um, we have limited time. And I think also the pandemic has brought this out. Yeah. Number of deaths. But what's really important? So let's go over the calendar. So what, how many nonprofits do I want to be involved in? How many boards, how many boards are, do I really feel I'm making a difference or it's important to me? And what are the things that I haven't been doing that now I have the opportunity to. So again, it's a little reframing. Um, it's a little self-reflection. Um, what do I want to be busy with? And can I handle some downtime? Let's go to the pandemic. We had downtime. We certainly did. To think about a lot of things, such as if we say, what were we busy with before the pandemic? Now let's go post-pandemic. Will we be busy with the same things? If there was ever a time to reflect on the priorities, it's been this past year. And I would guess, and this is from some of our roundtables, people are shifting a little bit and saying, you know what, that I think I'd rather not do this. I'd rather do that. But it takes time and a little reflection. And when we're on this busy wheel there's no time we're constantly preparing and and performing and reviewing and preparing and presenting <laughs> there's no time to step back and say is this real is this the life i want to leave mm-hmm. so i'm curious helen you started this with the intention of talking to career women about all of the topics that come up when you think about retirement And now you have the particular group that you started with has been meeting more than 20 years, you said. Not talking about retirement anymore. So how have you kept that fresh? What are y'all still talking about? So here's the observation. Um, If you started at 60, you're now 80. That's a different life stage. Mm -hmm. Although we started about the transition from work to retirement, we found that women spoke about different things according to life stage. 
For example, that transition from work to retirement, it's productivity, it's sleep, it's uh, what you're going to do with your time, finding your passion, etc. We found that now women in maybe late 60s, 70s, we're talking, I would say, about more pragmatic things such as housing, mm. social security, caregiving, um, relocation, etc. Then when we moved, let's say, mid to late 70s, women started talking about more existential issues such as legacy. What difference have I made? Is this the life I want to live? Um, and then when we moved to the 80s, we found that health really became a priority. With each decade, um, we are more vulnerable to health issues. And so health became more. So in stepping back to look at all of this kind of um, trajectory, what we realized what we had done was to develop a platform to support career women through transition and change for a lifetime. There's no graduation. I mean, <laughs> which is one, a horrifying thought, but the other thought is it's one of opportunity. Yeah. It's, there's no stalemate, there's no stopping. So it's transition and change for a lifetime. For a lifetime. Our work and retirement was just the first. Yeah. And we have all the transitions that go through the life course. And so this is a platform to have those discussions. And as you mentioned, it's supportive. This is not a traditional support group. Um, right. Women essentially come, what I say, a position of strength. They all have had careers, have made their mark, whether it's education or theater or law or medicine. And want to have some influence over those next decades. Um, and the other thing that has occurred, and again, these are called the unintended consequences, we inadvertently have created small, enduring communities of women who are there for each other. Although this was not the original intention, they are there for each other. Um, whether it is getting a ride uh, for a colonoscopy mm. um, or sharing in a, a birthday. Um, and I'll tell you a, a, a short story. There was a woman we lost who died of brain cancer, mm. a fabulous woman. And visiting with her towards the end, she's, and she had many friends. She said, Ellen, you know, I have a lot of friends, but you know who I wanted with me right now? My reunion women. Mm. my heart mm -hmm. so deep meaningful friendships have occurred again the intention was join the renewment group and make a best friend but because there's a certain like-mindedness mm -hmm. and one other piece I, I've also asked myself so what keeps these women together yeah I mean, I would... and I again it's an observation these women are not satisfied with the status quo mm -hmm. for themselves or their communities. So growth and change is just part of their DNA. And I think that's what kept these women connected, that you found your soulmate. You didn't have to say a lot. You know you're being understood. Yeah. 
it sounds a lot like what we want to do with Hey Boomer to build this friendship, build this community, be change agents. Yeah. And, and I want to emphasize the importance of community today. I think mm-hmm. it's so important. I mean, you can say, I have my children. Well, okay. Maybe yes, maybe, or may I have no children. Or you may have none, right. But to have a community, and again, the pandemic has shown this to be so important. To survive the pandemic, you needed a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I so would I, encourage build the community. Yeah. So I would imagine that your project renewment groups that you were meeting in person have changed during the pandemic. And then you came up with these renewment roundtables. So can you talk about that a little bit? So again, this was, uh, let's take a chance. So Bernice and I chatted. I said, you know, women aren't meeting. So let, let's make let's make up something. We're called the renewment roundtables. And we have a database and we'll send out an invitation and say there are 15 seats around the roundtable. First come, first serve. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of thing we'll talk about. But we had a waiting list. <laughs> so we started group two. Now we had a waiting list. <laughs> so we launched group nine last week. Wow. And again, uh, we haven't screened anyone. Uh, sometimes maybe 15 will sign up, maybe 12 will stay. It's a self-selection. But there hasn't been one woman who hasn't fit beautifully. Hmm. And if it's not what someone wants, someone said to me, this Zoom thing, it's, I just can't connect. That's, that's fine. So if you drop out, that's fine. So a bit of a self-selection. Um, and so it seems to continue to, to grow. And this is what I say, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> because I get it. I know, because you and Bernice are doing this completely gratis. There's no charge. There is no charge. Um, of course, my accountant thinks this is crazy. Um, we will. We did ask for the first time for some donation because we have over. We do have overhead, and Bernice and I have been funding this for twenty years because we think it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so important. We'll see if we will refine our ask for donations a little bit more uh, strategically. Yeah. So you have a new website. This renewment.org website. Yes. Um, I would encourage everybody to go and look at what's going on there. And in the book, you you really do outline how to go about creating a project renewment group, what to do at the first meeting, the second meeting, some of the topics to talk about. Um, you make it pretty simple. So how... You say there's 30-something. I would venture to guess, Helen, there's more than that. You just don't know about them. Um, I think you're right. I'll share a quick experience. I did a seminar series for soon-to-retire rabbis. An interesting niche, okay? (laughs) Right. And so um, about half the rabbis were not. A male rabbi introduces, it's a self-introduction. male rabbi introduces himself, and then his wife, and this is in Florida, introduces herself. She says, Hello, my name is XYZ, and uh, I'm a part of Renewment. I said, you're what? <laughs> this is all virtual. I said, we talk. I said, where do you live? So to your point, uh, we don't know how many groups there are. I discovered there was a church-based group, a group in, uh, in Chicago that's been meeting for three years. So when someone starts a group and we know about it, we say, please let us know because we do have a, a database. We'd love to include you. 
So your point is relative. We really don't know. You really don't know. I know. Do you need any kind of special training to be a facilitator if you're going to try and start one of these groups? Again, I think self-selection. If someone has no idea what to do with a group, they likely won't start one. Um, So, in fact, we had one woman from Tennessee who just retired from a high-tech company who said she started her own virtual reunion group. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how this expands. But I think it says there is a need for conversation and exactly what you're doing, Wendy. We need to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. during this environment um, the challenges and the opportunities are there but we need to talk to each other we need to listen to each other both on a very local level a state level and go to a national level the conversations I think are key yeah yeah and I think some of the topics that you talk about in here um, death and dying you know caring for aging parents, those kinds of things can be really difficult. And so you have to set up a a very safe space when these women first come together. So you have certain parameters that you try and get people to agree to. Very much so. And that is a confidential, it's what stay, what's, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Right. Okay. That's rule number one. Um, And to date, People who attracted this aren't looking for power or competition. These haven't been issues. Um, but there are parameters. We usually do something called a check-in, which because there's a social component here too. Uh, what's new? How are you? And then talk about a topic. And sometimes we choose a topic before the next meeting. Um, sometimes we let people know via email. And it's flexible enough that if we select a topic and we get to the meeting and say, we don't want to talk about that, and that's fine. We won't go to another one. Um, So typically the face-to-face meetings are taking place in someone's home. Mm -hmm. And we usually eat well. It's usually over lunch or dinner. But we usually the groups, we really, everyone likes good food. (laughs) And we literally break bread together. Nice. A timeline too. Um, and how long, how, how long are the meetings and how often do you meet? So it's usually once a month. Mm-hmm. Our group now is once every other month, but it's usually once a month, usually in someone's home. Um, and they can meet from two to three hours, but each group decides on their own. So each group reflects the personality, the desires of each group. And I think one of our intentions was keep it simple. Mm-hmm. There's no homework. You don't have to register. Show up. <laughs> and I would say on the face-to-face meetings, though, it is a commitment. Yes, I would think so. Because as to not for three people not to show up changes the group. Right. We are much less stringent virtual, um, just because of the of the virtual nature. So we say if someone cannot attend, we understand. We don't say this is a blood life commitment. We say we hope to see you. But on the face-to-face, we say this is a commitment and think about think about if this is something you want to go on for many months. Mm-hmm. So the round tables are the more flexible virtual yeah. ones. And 
can you drop into different roundtables or? So generally it's the same group, but now we have someone said, well, I can't come on a Tuesday. Do you have a Friday group? We say, okay, you can come on a Friday. <laughs> Tuesday group is missing two people. So we have, so there's a, there's a little bit more fluidity. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a hard time to be too restrictive. And if members of, of my community, they're watching this now, if they wanted to check out a round table to see, well, it, you know, kind of what the structure looks like and might this be something that we want to do face-to-face, -face, um, can, can they find a round table to join? So they have to go through Bernice or me. Okay. And what we would do is, what we do is we have a waiting list. And we'll say, we'll put you on the waiting list. And when we have X number, or we'll say, would you join an existing group? Because they could use a few more members. Um, and we will invite you to that group. So today, Bernice and I are facilitating all the groups. Wow. <laughs> so we don't know what we'll do if we really start um, growing. <laughs> I don't know. You have 11, you said? Nine. Nine. You have nine. Oh my well, goodness. Eight or continuing to be active. The first one was interested in much more transactional topics. Mm. So we have eight. Uh, we have nine groups, eight that meet every three or four weeks. Wow. Uh, we also are taking notes on this one. And we have three students uh, who are helping us with that. Uh -huh. um, and what these notes are going to tell us, I will share with you at another time. <laughs> But we know it, it was almost the same as something is going on. You know, the question, how are women, career women who have been successful, dealing with a year of shutdown? Mm -hmm. How do they see the future? You know, some of the things we talk about are um, early on, how are you managing this? What are your coping skills, coping secrets? And then we move to things. We, we did an interesting one on wisdom. Mm. Interesting one on um, describe a gift that had meaning for you. And although renewment is looking towards the future, sometimes discussions that are a little more reflective give you clues about the future. Mm -hmm. So it's not all, oh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Right. But it's discussions on other things that can reveal what's important to you, um, a little bit more reflective. And it's a gift you're giving to them too, I think, because as you said, when you were talking about busy, we don't always take the time to stop and think. And when we're in conversation, it gives us more of that external and internal view of life. And I think we really do take that time to reflect at that point. So that's a gift. Well, you're very kind to say that. I, you know, our goal is not that you um, become the uh, chair of a board uh, or that you become a docent. The goal is that you find a meaningful way to live, a healthy, meaningful way to live for the next many decades. And that's self-defined. Mm -hmm. um, so our criteria, our criterion for success is not that you become an X, but that you find a life path that's meaningful and fulfilling with opportunities to give back.
Um, it's beautiful. And if we can do that, we'll be happy. Yeah, that's beautiful. So two to three takeaways. I think you've given us five or six or seven takeaways, but I always like to ask if there are two to three takeaways that you would like to leave the audience with. And it's a really important question. Um, I guess one is um, take a little time and step back you know, to, to get off the, uh, the busy wheel. The pandemic forced us to, but if we can be disciplined enough to step back, um, that's one. I, two, to be a little reflective. Um, three, be curious. Mm. Four, take a risk. And I guess five, um, well, let's do six. Be kind to yourself and others. Um, and this sounds like a strange one. And really make the world a better place. Absolutely with you on that. That um, is an opportunity and a responsibility to make the world a little better than when we entered it. However, yes. we define that. So a few messages. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Um, okay, so I've shared your websites a couple of times. Um, and I do want to say that if you all like what you're hearing on um, the Hey Boomer show and what you've heard Helen talk about, you can support what we're doing through the buymeacoffee.com slash heyboomer0413, the date of our first show. Um, and as you heard with Thelma, for $75, you get a sponsorship, sponsorship slot on the show. So I would love to have your support with what we're doing. And I want to tell you about our guest for next week. This is interesting, very um, different than what we've been talking about. His name is Dr. Blake Schusterman, and he is the cooking doc. So Dr. Blake is a nephrologist here in Greenville, South Carolina. My dad had kidney disease, and I know that my mother and I were constantly, uh, you know, researching and in a guessing game of what's the right thing to eat. And I found um, Dr. Blake and he just makes it fun, delicious recipes. Um, he cooks with his daughter every once in a while. So um, he is going to be our guest next week. So we're not actually going to cook on the show, <laughs> but we will um, get some great ideas about healthy eating and about different recipes and how to find them. And I always like to end with a quote from C.S. Lewis. And he said, you are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. So I know that your time is valuable and I am so grateful that you all set the goal to be with Helen and I today and let's keep dreaming and let's keep meeting week after week and building this community. Thanks, Helen. My pleasure. My name is Wendy Green and this has been Hey Boomer. <laughs>